SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. For every advantage you can get, congratulations. You just found it. The Winning Edge. Sports gaming strategies and information you won't find anywhere else. 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Are you ready? This is Pushing the Odds. Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas! Here's your host, Matt Peralt. Happy Monday and welcome to the desert, everybody. It is pushing the odds here in Las Vegas, Nevada, where tonight the Vegas Golden Knights will play in the, you want to call it the Western Conference Finals or semifinals, but it's not. It's the Stanley Cup semis. Montreal is in-house, in market for the game tonight in which the Vegas Golden Knights will be the largest favorite to go into a series in the last 31 years in the NHL. They are a minus 460 favorite to beat Montreal, yet everyone saying those words, there's a lot of value on Montreal. Maybe so. Islanders win game one yesterday. They were considered to be pretty big underdogs to the defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning, and they won 2-1. to one. So could Montreal still steal home ice from Vegas coming up here tonight? I don't think so, but we'll get into that coming up today on the show. We got baseball betting. We got a little NBA betting. Two games tonight in the NBA and a whole lot on Nikola Jokic getting ejected yesterday. And, well, you know, (laughs) it really depends upon what side you're on here. I was on the Suns, so Jokic getting ejected didn't bother me a touch. Do I think he wound up? Yes. Do I think he made contact to the head? Yes. Do I think he was intentionally trying to hit down very hard on the ball and missed? Yes. By the letter of the rule, that's a flagrant two. And the league, the referees, ejected Jokic by the letter of the rule. Everyone saying, well, if this was LeBron or Curry or another player, another MVP, Giannis, would they have been ejected? I don't know. I mean, I I, I can't live in the hypothetical like that because I simply don't know. Maybe, or maybe those players would have been smart enough not to do it. Like, that was a frustration. I'll give Michael Malone that point. I think he's right. It was a complete frustration. But when you're down 0-3 and you're the reigning MVP, you're the most valuable player to your team at that moment. You're trying to save your season. You can't be doing dumb things like that. You can't be swatting at a ball. You can't even put yourself into that position. That's the thing that I don't get. No one is holding holding, Jokic accountable for his own action. They're all saying, ah, the NBA is soft. It's the NBA's ridiculous rules. Oh, my gosh, what a horrible call. Well, no, it wasn't a horrible call at all. The call, it was a non-basketball move to the head. I mean, that's even even your head coach, Michael Malone, is admitting that the act itself was out of frustration. 
It was a non-basketball move. And you could say it all got built up because Jokic was getting hit a ton and the referees weren't calling a ton underneath. That's true, but isn't that playoff basketball? Isn't that what we want? We want playoff basketball. We want that contact. We don't want the ticky-tack stuff to be called. So he was frustrated. Yep. But as the MVP, you can't put yourself in that position. You can't even make yourself. You can't do that. You can't act out of frustration. Because if you're acting out out of frustration, then your teammates are going to act out out of frustration. You're the leader of that roster. You're You're supposed to be the best player on that team. And Will Barton was the best player on that team yesterday. Jokic has a lot to carry around because a lot of people like me do not believe that he's the MVP or should have won the MVP. I, w- I don't have a vote. I would not have voted for him to win the MVP. Stats are great, okay, but there are more things involving with stats, and I think he heard that, you know, that cry or the criticism of you're just kind of a guy out there. You're not the guy out there. You're not an alpha male. You're just kind of a goofball. And you don't lead by example. You don't lead with your voice. You aren't yelling and screaming. You aren't trying to rally the troops in the same way we expect other MVPs to do it. And I think he heard that. And so when his team was down big and he was annoyed, he tried to make a play or he tried to do something that's going to fi- you know, fire up his team. You know, Sometimes coaches get technical fouls on purpose. I think Jokic was trying to get a flagrant one on purpose. The problem is he missed. And he got the face of campaign, and he could have broken the guy's nose, came down hard. I mean, there's no debate that the act was not a basketball move and that the act was out of frustration, and he hit his head. So what you're saying, if you're denying that Jokic should have been ejected, saying he never should have been ejected, what you're denying are the rules and saying the NBA should not have enforced their own rules. I, for one, am glad that they chucked him out for a variety of reasons, but also because it's the rules. And it also is confirmation that even the NBA, you know, stars get star calls. Jokic is a star in Denver. Jokic is an unbelievable player, but he's not a superstar on the league level, right? He's not going to get the Michael Jordan treatment. He's not getting the LeBron James treatment. He's not getting even like, I don't know, a Damian Lillard type of treatment. He's not that type of player. Incredibly, incredible player for Denver. But we all know that Jamal Murray... It was proven Jamal Murray was the most valuable player to the Denver Nuggets because you take Jamal Murray off that team and they couldn't handle the Suns, not even close. If Murray is on that roster, there may be in the NBA Finals. I mean, this was the window for Denver. If you're a Nuggets fan, you had your window. MVP, no LeBron, Clippers look vulnerable, Utah and Phoenix unproven. You had your window and you just didn't come through our four big stories a lot of basketball and hockey today it's a monday don't move more to come here i'm pushing the odds sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
Everybody's got an opinion. Go ahead. Ask them. But only a few have an opinion informed by expert analysis and experience. It's called trust. It's why we're here for you. Keep it here and get the edge. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. 702-751, Matt, the text line to get in touch here on a Monday. Our exclusive hour here on Sports Grid Radio Channel 204 before we welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience. The Euros Group E underway right now between Poland and Slovakia. No score there in the 12th minute of that match. We'll watch it and update you guys if you're interested. I know nothing, <laughs> like nothing, <laughs> about the wonderful world of Euro soccer. And I know this is like the the World Cup of Europe. That's what I've been told. Other than that, my soccer knowledge is pretty limited. And I played it. That was the sport I played the most. It was the sport that I lettered in the most in high school. I was recruited to play in you know, college soccer and decided against all of it. <laughs> decided against doing any of it. Said, yeah, I'm not really interested in, in, in doing that. So I decided uh, to just go to college and have fun and do radio and not actually have to get up at 5 a.m. and go for runs. So we'll watch that. So. This week in Vegas, we've got two games coming up tonight and Wednesday, right? This week, we've got a couple of records coming down potentially. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in Vegas and in Arizona. Now, when I say this, remember, you can't shovel heat. So this is the time when all my East Coast friends love to talk about, oh my gosh, how can you stand living in Vegas in the summer? How is that possible? How could you bear it? And I always say, well, you deal with, you know, winter weather in April and our pools are open. That's the difference. For nine months out of the year, our weather is tremendous. But for June, July, and August, I will admit, it gets pretty nasty. And we're looking at, is it offsides? That's an offsides play. Almost a goal for Slovakia, but offsides. Las Vegas, the record for the hottest temperature recorded in Las Vegas was 117 degrees at McCarran Airport. That was set on July 19th, 2005, and it was set on June 30th in, uh, sorry, June 20th, 2017. Like, that's pretty much been the record, 117 at McCarran Airport. For Nevada, the state set in Laughlin, Nevada, which is about 30 minutes outside of Vegas, that, or maybe it's an hour outside of Vegas, the all-time Nevada recorded temperature of 125 degrees is in jeopardy this week. Arizona, which was set at Lake Havasu City, the previous record was set of 128 degrees on June 29th, 1994. <laughs> I, I don't know if... This is really going to come down. Are we talking about 129 degrees in Arizona this week? But Las Vegas is looking at 117 at McCarran Airport, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And Nevada's all-time record of 125 degrees, also in jeopardy of coming down this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It is going to be absolutely ridiculously hot here in Nevada. And I am very curious on Wednesday – what exactly are we going to see coming up here for T-Mobile Arena, which was built with the idea that when it's hot in Vegas and you're playing in the Stanley Cup, that it can handle it. 
that it can handle it. There's no questions, no worries. We'll see. I mean, you're not supposed to be freezing ice and having large ice surfaces when the air temperature outside is 117 degrees. We'll see. They're going to put it to the test. The biggest, most important thing, what I've been told over the years, over the last four years when it comes to this type of temperatures for T-Mobile Arena in Vegas, is that they keep all the doors closed and they drop the temperature down really low at night trying to keep the entire, I mean, all that cold air in for as long as possible and trying not to allow people just, you know, you don't leave the doors open. You try to limit how many people come in and out in the morning and try to keep the ice surface as, you know, frozen as possible. But it's definitely an issue, okay? It's definitely a question come Wednesday as to how T-Mobile Arena, what the ice surface will be like for Vegas and Montreal coming up here. And I think it favors Montreal, to be quite honest. They want to muck it up. They they want that type of game. Vegas wants speed. So Vegas wants to be able to skate, and Vegas wants to be able to get out and get out into the open ice. And if it's not, if it's sloggy and slushy, that's not good. So definitely something to pay attention to here for the game on Wednesday uh, for Game 2. Not so much tonight, but for Game 2 of Vegas and Montreal. Number one for our four big stories as we start this show here on a Monday. The Brooklyn Nets have been the odds-on favor to win the NBA title for most of the year. But the likelihood of that happening, it's now in serious question in the wake of the injury to Kyrie Irving, who severely injured his ankle during Game 4 of the game against Milwaukee yesterday. Brooklyn, two-point favorites yesterday, got crushed in the second half by the Bucs. Without Kyrie Irving or James Harden, they really couldn't do much. Even Kevin Durant was asked to do a little bit too much in the game yesterday. Both could miss game five. And if that happens, that would put the Nets on the brink of elimination. Head coach Steve Nash was asked how long Kyrie could be out. I have no idea, you know, what, what's going to happen with Kyrie in the coming days. Um, you know, we'll, we'll cross our fingers and hope that uh, it's, it's better than, than um, you know, I don't know, better than what? Better than uh, missing the next game? Um, you know, it is tricky with Kev. We, we all got to pitch in. We all got to play together. We got to move the ball. And, and I thought tonight we got a little single-minded looking for Kevin every time. Puts a little bit too much pressure on him. It makes us a little more predictable, I thought, you know, which which puts a lot of burden on him. So we got plenty of guys who have stepped up in absences this year and done very well. And I think we're going to rely on each other to play a team game, move the ball. And, of course, we're looking for Kevin as much as we can, but uh, within reason. Slovakia on the board first, one nothing in the 18th minute against Poland. Number two, Phoenix Suns headed to the conference finals after sweeping the Denver Nuggets yesterday. Suns were led by Chris Paul, scored 37 points as a 36-year-old. Everybody, though, is talking about the ejection of the MVP, Nikola Jokic. The big men wound up and smacked campaign right in the face and got tossed for it. The game in the series was effectively over at that point. Head coach Michael Malone was asked about the ejection after the loss. Well, I still haven't processed it, to be honest with you. You know, game four, an elimination game at home. Before they had determined their their decision on the flagrant two, I had watched a replay myself on one of the coaches' computers behind the bench. Um, And and I just assumed, and we all know you should never assume, uh, but I assumed it would be a, a flagrant one at the worst. From my vantage point and watching the replay, I did not think... Uh, it was a non-basketball play with malicious intent. I thought it was. More on that later. Number three, will we see Mike Conley and or Donovan Mitchell tonight for the Utah Jazz? Clippers are five-point favorites at home without knowing the status of the two-star guards for the Utah Jazz. But head coach Wisconsin Snyder credit L- credits L.A. for elevating their game in game three. 
you know, the, the Clippers really raised their level last game. Um, you know, at the end of the first quarter, we we had, you know, an open look that we passed up and then and missed a little floater and then um, which could have given us the lead and then had a breakdown defensively. I thought that that was deflating. And, you know, then I think they they continued to pick up their level. And um, even in, you know, late, you know, we we, we hung in there and, and hung in the game. So I, I thought, you know, that was good. Fourth and finally, Vegas and Montreal tonight. The semifinal line is the biggest in the playoffs over the last 31 years. Vegas minus 460 tonight at the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the series against Montreal. Vegas coach Pete DeBoer believes his team, though, is very healthy heading into this series. It's rare, um, you know, that you would get healthier as the playoffs come uh, go through. It's usually the other way around, but I'm not going to complain. I I think with the, the condensed regular season, I think a lot of teams dealt with with stuff early in the playoffs and uh, and actually the schedule might be a little lighter now than, than it was for stretches uh, of the regular season so uh, you know you, you might be reaping some of the benefit of that three playoff games tonight two in the NBA one in the NHL we'll make some picks and break it down coming up next for you as to what I think is going to happen with PTO picks we will continue watching Poland and Slovakia here for group E for the Euros one nothing Slovakia, a little bit of a shocker there developing here in this contest with Slovakia leading Poland. More to come. It's a Monday for Pushing the Odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Don't believe us. Never turn us off. You'll see. Keep listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. This is Pushing the Odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. Our three games in the playoffs to talk about here before we welcome... A conversation coming up here at 40 past where we'll talk about the NBA games and get some picks in place coming from Raheem Palmer from NBC Sports Bet coming up at 40 past. But let's start with Montreal and Vegas tonight and the word value. This is what you're going to hear today. And I'm not discounting it. I'm not discrediting it. But value plays not all. I mean, sometimes they hit and you could say, look, in hockey, if you're going to give me plus 230 more times than not, I'm going to bet it and I'm going to cash. But there's a reason why you have a plus 230 line. And you could say, hey, in, in hockey, there is so much variance. The puck bounces one or two ways. Home ice isn't that big of a deal. Take Montreal tonight. Okay. I understand the point. I do. I just disagree with it when it comes to this game and game one in particular. I'm on Vegas tonight, and I've been betting half units for pretty much the entire pandemic. And I 
can't bet a half unit on this game because the number is too high. So I'm I'm fully committed with a full unit bet coming in on Montreal and Vegas, and I'm taking the Vegas Golden Knights at home. I laid minus 258 last night here in Vegas. It's now up to minus 280 here on the FanDuel Sportsbook. You're going, you're going to hear and you're going to read. I mean, I understand. I saw it all last night from like five or six different outlets that I, I read and I watch and I, and I follow to see what they're going to do and what they think. And I, I'm an aggregator of information. I try to read as much as I can, take in as many opinions as I can. And, you know, sometimes there's confirmation bias. Sometimes I'm looking for confirmation because I'm on that side anyway. And sometimes I'm looking for a contrarian point of view to see if I've pointed, if I missed a pretty big point, that's something I should pay attention to. And I, I feel like everybody in the sports gambling media is feeling like, let's bet Montreal tonight because if they lose, they were supposed to. And there's no skin off my back for doing it. No, no one's going to hold me accountable for saying, hey, you know, bet on Montreal because of the plus 230. But that doesn't mean Montreal wins. You could say, hey, Montreal's the right side because Vegas is too juicy. I'll give you that. I, 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 again, I understand the point of value. I understand the methodology behind betting Montreal tonight. I just don't think Montreal wins tonight. <laughs> so, like, do you want to cash a small ticket or do you want to, you know, lose? Like, it comes down to that. And I, I think, obviously, Vegas has been off for a bit. Vegas is at home. And this is Montreal's first game outside of Canada in the first time, and I believe it's 450 days. Somebody sent that tweet to me today saying it's the first game for the Canadians outside of Canada in 450 days. There's a lot of distractions in this town, all right? There are a lot of distractions here in Las Vegas. I'm taking the Golden Knights, and there's a reason why Vegas is a minus 460 favorite to win this series. Not just game one, but to win the series. And I get, again, the same conversation. Montreal is a plus 350 dog to win this series. There's great value in betting Montreal. And there's a game you can play here. If you do think Montreal wins game one, you take Montreal one tonight, plus 230. But also at plus 350, you take Montreal to win the series. Because much like the Islanders, who were plus 260, I bet that before game one, I bet the Islanders to win the series. Not because I think the Islanders are going to win the series, but because I want to be able to come back and get as, you know, maybe plus money on the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning now, they went from being a plus 230 or, or minus 220, minus 210 favorite plus 230 on the Islanders on the other side to now being minus 110 on both sides for the Islanders and the Lightning. Now, if, if the Islanders were to win game two, then the Tampa Bay Lightning become big dogs. And you could go ahead and I'll have the Islanders at plus 230. You come back and bet Tampa also maybe at plus 230, whatever it might be, and you have a ticket and you could just ride it out and you're going to cash and be profitable on either side. So that's what I'm trying to do with Vegas and Montreal just in case I'm wrong, Right. So you take a small wager, you put it down at plus 350, and let's see what happens if Montreal were to steal game one. If they steal game one, these odds are going to dramatically shift. I think Vegas probably becomes like a minus 200 favorite to win, or maybe even lower. I mean, a game one win, losing home ice, would change everything. Vegas is the biggest favorite in the semifinals of the Stanley Cup playoffs in the last 31 years. 
And there's a reason for it. And it's not just Vegas bias. I've seen that on Twitter saying, well, of course, it's involving Vegas, so the books have to adjust. If that was the case, the East East Coast books, DraftKings, FanDuel, you know, the books on the Eastern Seaboard who have New Jersey and whatnot, who have, you know, Montreal people, right? People who are on the East Coast who have watched Montreal. I grew up watching Boston and Montreal, original six cities where I grew up. So, like, you'd say, okay, they're going to come in and bet Montreal. Well, that hasn't happened because the numbers are the same pretty much on the East Coast as they are here in Vegas. So the non-Vegas books believe it's a monster mismatch, as well as the Vegas books believe it's a monster mismatch. So, so again, I think everybody's talking about the sweater in the history and saying it's Montreal, it's Montreal. When they go to the Bell Center, there's 2,000 fans that are going to be there. There's 17,000 fans tonight. And people are downplaying it. Okay, you can downplay it. But Montreal hasn't played in an environment like this in a really, really long time. In fact, in the postseason, Montreal's never played here. So they have no knowledge of playing against Vegas. And again, this is kind of like when the Rays, I guess it's not even accurate with the Rays. It's, the baseball analogy is tough because we haven't seen an expansion team. We've, we've never seen an expansion team do this. So the original six purists, the Montreal purists, believe that Vegas is a Mickey Mouse organization and that they're not that good. That's what I'm – when I look at these Canadian – most of these people in Canada who are taking Montreal to win tonight and Montreal to win the series, and they're like, it's going to be the Islanders and the Canadiens, and everyone's going to go, oh, my gosh, how did this happen in the Stanley Cup Finals? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> the Islanders are not the same as the Canadiens, and the Vegas Golden Knights are not the same as Tampa Bay in terms of what they're dealing with and where they are right now and, the, and who they've gone through. I'm sorry, Montreal going through Toronto and Winnipeg is not the same as Vegas going through Minnesota and Colorado. It's just not, okay? It's just not the same. And you can try to spin it this way because Montreal and Vegas would never play against each other in the postseason. They're supposed to be in different leagues, different conferences. But they're in the same conference due to this ridiculous Mickey Mouse year that we're having and condensed schedules and whatnot. And... Coming to Vegas, where the weather is going to be beautiful for this week, if you like heat, and having all these distractions all around, and you can't leave because of COVID-19 protocols, you're having to sit there in your hotel room and be bored out of your mind, that plays with you. It just does. It plays with you. And, you know, these are Canadian players who had to get a special exemption from their government to come down here to play and then to go back and not have to quarantine. And so, I mean, a lot of Vegas Golden Knight players have been vaccinated. We know about the Robin Leonard situation. We don't know the exact number of players for Vegas that have been vaccinated, but we know quite a few of them have been vaccinated. And Vegas says this is where the NHL was trying really hard to not allow a competitive disadvantage. I mean, this is the thing. You know, you could say, well, Vegas, you know, being at home in Montreal, coming to Vegas, it's not that big of a deal. Well, the NHL told you they thought it was a big deal because Robin Leonard flipped out when a bunch of players got vaccinated and the NHL said, sorry, we know you're vaccinated, but we're not going to take off the COVID-19 protocols that your team is dealing with because we're worried about a competitive disadvantage. So the NHL believes there is a competitive disadvantage to, to allowing one team out of quarantine and the other not. And Montreal has been in quarantine for a really long time. Vegas has had some lifting and some 
retraction of the COVID-19 protocols, but it's still pretty, you know, not great. They still can't do a lot of the things that they want to go ahead and do. And Montreal has been under lock and key to keep COVID-19 away. And now they're traveling for the first time, trying to keep themselves away from COVID-19. And they're in the number one party city in North America, in the, in the city that Canadians love to come to and love to party. I, I love this idea that people were trying to compare Montreal and Vegas like they're similar. No, they're not similar. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> like They're just not similar. But anyways... I'm very curious to see what the first couple of minutes will look like in this game because Vegas gets off to fast starts a lot, and the environment is going to be just unbelievable tonight. It's going to be epic. 17,000. Anyone who knows hockey respects the Montreal Canadiens. Anyone who knows the sport respects what that sweater means, respects Carey Price, respects how hot Montreal has been, understands that they earned their right here. They weren't given their right here. They went through very tough opponents. They came back on Toronto. They've done some pretty impressive things to get to this point. But this is a 1 versus 16 matchup. Okay? In the NCAA tournament, sometimes you bet the 16 just for fun, right? For value. But more often than not, the 16 seed goes home pretty quickly. And I don't think Vegas sweeps Montreal. I think it's at least four to five games, or sorry, five to six games. I don't think it goes seven, but it could. I don't think Vegas just walks over Montreal. I think Montreal, in particular at home, I think Montreal will get at least one game at home. But tonight, in game one of this series, first time playing out of Canada in forever, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't recommend a value play with the Montreal Canadiens. I can't say, oh, it's for value, bet on Montreal. Nah, I'm laying the juice. I'm laying the big number. Vegas to win tonight. I'm not even going puck line, by the way, because I think a 3-2 win is very possible. But I'm going for Vegas tonight to win on the money line. Let's break down the two NBA games coming up here tonight. Raheem Palmer, his picks and plays. We'll talk about the two games happening tonight next year. Push it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Pushing the odds. Live from Las Vegas, here's Matt Peralt. We got two games tonight in the NBA to get into. Coming up next with Raheem Palmer from the Action Network. Philly at Atlanta. Utah at the LA Clippers. What to make of the injury situations with the Utah Jazz and more coming up right now. Raheem Palmer at DJR. You're gonna have to run through your you're gonna have to run through your Twitter account for me, Raheem. What is it? <laughs> okay, it's DJR to the Ize. So it's D-J-R-T-O-D-A-I-Z-Z-A. I was a DJ in high school around the time when the, the Jay-Z song H to the Izzo came right. out. I, I, you know, I said in class, I'm like, y'all don't want it with R to the Ize. All the girls start laughing, and that's, the rest is history. <laughs> Very cool. I appreciate the, the help with the, with the Twitter handle. All right, so in your mind, we've not gotten in this yet, but – 
What happened last night? Did Jokic get tossed with the act, or was it overreaction by the referees? It was the wind-up. I mean, I yep. think, you know, they have protocols in place right now. You can't wind up and then hit a guy. It's unfortunate the way it happened. I think if Jokic was seen as kind of a bigger star, he doesn't get kicked out. Like, we all know LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard is not getting kicked out for that, but, you know, Jokic still doesn't get that MVP level of respect. Right, and that's what I think, letter of the law, if you, you know, you're asking the NBA to ignore their own rules, which, fine, they do it all the time when it comes to superstars, but that's letter of the rule, right? I mean, he hit the guy, and he hit campaign in the face after winding up, and his own coach said it was an act of frustration, a.k.a. it was a non-basketball move, and he was trying to vent whatever anger he had. He took it out on campaign's face, right? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's unfortunate, but I, I think they, they had to do what they had to do. So it just sucked. <laughs> yep, so he's gone, and the Suns now advance. How realistic is a Suns NBA championship conversation to you? I think it's very realistic. I mean, I know some guys who have the Suns at 40-1 to 1 to win the Western Conference. I mean, we've seen it all year. I mean, I think when you look at this team, they have a veteran in Chris Paul. They have a closer in Devin Booker. Both Chris Paul and Devin Booker are both – over in the 90, 94th percentile in mid-range shooting accuracy. Those are the shots that teams want to give up in the playoffs. And you saw it last night. Chris Paul hit nine straight mid-range jumpers. I mean, they also have wings and Mikhail Bridges and, and Jay Crowder. who can. Um, they're three and D wings. They have a big and DeAndre Ayton. They have everything that you need. They're top five in, top, in, in, in defense and offense. So I, I think it's very realistic. And, and when you look at the fact, like I'm really big on the accumulation fact. I talk about this all the time on Action Network. Last year, um, right before the Eastern Conference Finals, I wrote an article about how teams perform after they have a game, um, a seven-game series. So you look at you, you look at this Utah Jazz and Los Angeles Clippers series. The Clippers played a seven-game series. They mm. lost game one. Teams who play teams who play in a seven-game series, they are only hitting forty percent of the time in the following series. Huh. I think the numbers are like they're, they're 32 and 48 um, in game one of the following series. And then they're 31 and 48 of the following series altogether. So with this Jazz and Clippers series looking to go seven games and the, the Suns having a rest, I think that gives them an edge. I mean, you also look at the fact that Donovan Mitchell has a banged up ankle. Yeah. Uh, Mike Conley is struggling with his, his, his hamstring injury. And then you look at the fact that the Clippers, they'll be probably playing their second consecutive seven-game series. At some point, you wear out. This is a jump-shooting team. So I think the Suns are really live, you know, for those reasons and the fact that they're a legit team. And if you look at right now, like, FanDuel has the Suns at plus 400 to win the NBA championship. The Brooklyn Nets at plus 300. That's the highest their their odds have been in a really long time. Utah also was at plus 300 to win the NBA championship. Clippers are plus 900, which is somewhat surprising. But with the Suns, you look at them and you look at Brooklyn. I mean, you have, if you're sitting on a Brooklyn ticket right now, you got to feel pretty nervous, right, in terms of how vulnerable all of a sudden Brooklyn is? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Kyrie is not going to play game, set, game five. I mean, they made it clear on the line. And the, the Bucks are favored to win the series. They're minus 130, I think, at FanDuel Sportsbook. They're, um, the Bucks are minus three, three for game five on the mm-hmm. road. And, you know, if the Bucks win that game, they'll be sitting at five, six, seven-point favorites for game six at home and can close it out. James Harden, I mean, we, we see it with Mike Conley. Mike Conley hasn't played after having issues with his hamstring. 
Hart has already had his hamstring flare up twice, so I don't think we're going to see him again. And then when you look at Kevin Durant, like a lot of people consider this guy to be the best player in the league, but I don't see it. I mean, this guy is he's probably one of the greatest ceiling raisers we've ever seen. You can plug him in any team because he's a seven-footer and he has a jump shot, but he's not a guy who's going to raise a team's floor mm. and because he's not a great playmaker. You know, he's not an offensive hub in the way that LeBron James or Luka Doncic or James Harden is. He, you need to have playmakers around him. When Kyrie went out of that game, he was 6 of, he was six of 19 Oof. without Kyrie Irving. He forced it too. It was ugly. I mean, it was the, it became ISO basketball. I mean, we got on the on, on the Bucks for their first two games as to how they played against Brooklyn. The fact that it was all ISO ball and the ball wasn't moving. It was sticking with Giannis. He was jacking threes. I felt the same thing with Kevin Durant yesterday. Like, where was the ball movement for that team? And I'm not so sure they can do it with just one superstar up against that Bucks roster. And I, you know, the funny thing, I think that's all. Like, a lot of people blame Russell Westbrook. For you know a lot of the ISO ball, your turn, my turn stuff that they had in Oklahoma City, but that's always who Kevin Durant has been. Right. And outside of his time with the Warriors, where you know you had Steph Curry, Steph Curry is such a, a selfless player, and he allowed Kevin to you know take the reins. But this is always who Kevin has been. And I mean, even there were times in Golden State where Kevin just wanted to play ISO ball, and I think we're seeing it now who he truly is when he doesn't have an all-star playmaker next week. Mm. Raheem Palmer joining us, Action Network here on Pushing the Odds. All right, Philly against Atlanta, game one tonight. Philly minus three. I bet Atlanta before the game, for the series, to win this series at plus 155, and I'm going to admit that I'm wrong, that Philly is just too talented defensively. They're double-teaming Trey Young, getting the ball out of his hands, and you can't ask Bogdanovich to score 35 points a night trying to keep this team in games. I laid three tonight with Philadelphia in game number four to get really a commanding lead here in this series. How do you feel about Atlanta and Philly tonight? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you there. I mean, for me, I, after game one, I laid minus 108 on the Sixers to come back and win the series. I thought game one was really, really telling. In the first half of game one, Trey Young went off. The, the Hawks were just dominant. But I think the big key in that first half was that the, the Sixers kept turning the ball over. Mm. After after the first half, the, the Sixers held the Hawks. They changed up their pick and roll coverages. They double and Trey. They held the Hawks to just a point per possession, and they had a negative thirty two off um, net rating in the second half. So it was just like from there, it's like the series has completely shifted. The Sixers they can't be stopped. I mean they they're putting up offensive ratings in the one twenties in every single game. Joel Embiid is averaging thirty five points for the series. They can't stop him. More importantly, DeAndre Hunter has really been the mm. catalyst for this Atlanta defense. Since he got hurt, they have no answer for Tobias Harris. If you can't stop Tobias Harris and you can't stop Joel Embiid, you don't really have a prayer. I think, for me, when I look at this game, I think there's some value in the over. I mean, I know yeah. it's climbed up a little bit, but it's just like the, the Sixers can't be stopped offensively. And I think that the Hawks are going to shoot a lot better. I think they were like 6 of 23 from, from behind arc the other night. So I think – there's some adjustments that um, Nate McMillan can make. I think you really got to take out Solomon Hill out of the lineup because he's not really doing anything. Maybe you start harder, try to get some more shooting in there, and just try to outscore the team because you're not you're, you're just not going to be able to defend the Sixers.
Yeah, the 219 and a half was the first game total. It went over by 32 and a half. Game two wasn't under by five and a half. And then game three was 224 and a half, which is one point below what it is right now for tonight. It went over by 13 and a half. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think there is a lot of value on the over tonight for Atlanta and Philadelphia, Atlanta and Philly tonight. And then game two, Utah and the Clippers. Raheem, I can't touch this game until I know about Conley, until I know about Donovan Mitchell. The, the number is five. If the both are out, that number is clearly going to climb. So if you bet the Clippers, you're kind of banking on, on Mitchell not playing. But I, can Utah stay in this game with or without Conley and with or without Mitchell? Well, I mean, they said, already said Mitchell was going to play. I think Mitchell could have came back into the game on, what was that, Saturday? Yeah, he could have came back, but they were down 18 at that point. So there was right. just no point in risking it. But I, I think I think the number is pretty sharp. I think my model makes this game Clippers minus five and a half or so. But I, I just think the Clippers have really found things out. Like they they started pressuring Conley, you know, meeting him early. And without that other playmaker and Conley, they don't have a lot of guys who can create their own shot and, and create plays for others. Obviously, you have Jordan Carson off the bench, but he's kind of a jack. He's going to shoot you in and out of a game. And I just think that the Clippers, they've really the, – the big chess match for this series was can the Clippers small ball unit kind of play Gobert off the off the floor a little bit. And I think they're starting to do that. Like in game one, you know, they they, they they did a good job, but a lot of the threes weren't falling. They weren't falling in game two. But, you know, what they always say, role players that hit the shots at home, Clippers shot 50, 50% from three in game three. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard went off. I think we, 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 we've kind of made Paul George a meme. But he's really been playing well throughout the series. He's been aggressive. He's been driving it to the lane. And finally in game three, his shots start falling. So I think the Clippers have an edge here, and I think they tie the, tie the series up tonight. What do you make of the way this series is being played from a pace perspective? It's it's interesting because I, I, I've watched you know, the totals here, and, and like I think Utah – it's like every game goes over for the Utah Jazz. At some point, doesn't that stop and the and the under come in at some point? And is tonight the night? You know what? I found that interesting too because I mean, like the pace of these games are really, really slow. I think the last the pace of Game Three is ninety three possessions. The pace of Game Two was ninety six, and then the pace of Game One was ninety two. But it's just both of these offenses are so hyper efficient. I think. That's the that's the beauty of the three point shot. You have a right. lot of variance, and you have a Jazz team who's making seventeen threes a game, and then you have a Clippers team who was first in three point shooting percentage at forty two percent this season. So, I'm I'm not really interested in playing over between um, under between these two teams, especially when you have the Clippers going small and then you have the Jazz going big. So it's like you have two teams who are trying to exploit each other's weaknesses. So I, I think the only way to like to look is over. Actually, the, the, the total's dropping. I think we dropped down to 223. Yep. yep. So it's just like that, that's kind of a stay away from me. I just um, – the pace, it just doesn't – it doesn't add up with what we're seeing offensively. Seven of eight games for the Jazz have gone over. The only game it didn't go over was game one of this series where it went under by a point. It nearly got there. It nearly got to 222, got to 221. So it's been right there for eight straight games for Utah, and the number comes down, which is just what the pros are doing. They're just, they're just betting the under, and they're losing their shirts when it comes to the Jazz. But I'm with you. At some point, I think the Jazz – an under is going to come in here for Utah, but we just haven't seen it yet here in this series over the last couple of weeks here in the postseason. Raheem, good stuff, man. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you coming on. No doubt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
That is Raheem Palmer from the Action Network here joining us on Pushing the Odds. And so we're, we're in agreement there on on the Philadelphia 76ers, minus three. I'm with them on the over. I think that's a good play at 225 and a half. I, I think the Jazz over is kind of just a – if you've been betting the Jazz over, and I have been every game – I'm just betting the Jazz over again. Like I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and take it. And I don't know what to do with the side. I, I'm going to stay away from the side, but I am going to be on the over 223 and a half as the pros continue to bet the under, giving us better numbers when it comes to the over. Jazz Clippers over. 702-751, Matt, the text line. It is a Monday. More to come on the games happening tonight here. I'm pushing the odds. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com To pushing the odds live from Las Vegas. Here's Matt Peralt. So on Twitter, Ben Holden just wrote to me at Sports Talk Matt saying, "Would much rather shovel snow than deal with Vegas heat. You can only remove so many layers of clothing." Ben, you are a liar. Straight up, you are lying. Look, Vegas heat is bad. It's bad for three months. And then for nine months out of the year, we have tremendous weather. The idea that you would trade Boston and New England in Northeast nastiness, or let's see where Ben is. Ben is located in, oh, he's in Canada. Even worse, you're in Canada, Ben. You're here in Canada. You're kidding me, right? You want Canadian cold? You want Canadian snow? You want snowstorms in May? Get out of here. You are lying. You are a liar. You can't shovel heat. Shoveling is the worst thing ever. It's awful. If I'm hot, I go in my car, I go in my house, and I turn on the air conditioning. That's what I do. Or I just don't go outside in the hot, hot hours, which is like 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., right? No You are a liar. If you tell me you would rather have Canadian cold over Vegas heat, I'm sorry. That is just not accurate. None. Does it make us soft here? Yes. Does it thin our blood out? Absolutely. I'm not debating any of that point. But it's because human beings are not supposed to be freezing in frigid temperatures constantly. We are outdoor people. We like going outdoors and doing outdoor things, going to concerts and parties and fun, barbecues and whatnot, things I can do in February. I can golf in January, not in New England, not in Minnesota, and sure as heck not in Canada. (laughs) Nope. Give me Vegas weather all day long, and I'll deal with 117 degrees for a couple of weeks. It's fine. It's hot. 
but it's fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> Next, we welcome in the Sports Map Radio audience. Second hour for us. We'll have more on the Jokic ejection and where does the MVP and the Nuggets go after they're sweeping or getting swept by the Suns. More to come. Hour two next year. Coming at you all day. Every day. With more attitude than other lesser networks would deem.